three, two, one. Best advice I can give you, start drinking heavily. You're listening to the Four Takes and Fuel podcast with Alex, Ethan, Chance, and Colton. Welcome back to another episode of Four Takes and Fuel, guys. My name's Alex. Ethan. And I'm Chance. And we have a great guest come and sit down with us tonight. He has just got his uh, Maxis National Awards at the banquet this past weekend, and we're really excited to sit down with him. Tristan Jones is coming on the podcast tonight. Uh, but before we get into the episode, here's a word from our sponsors. Located in Turkey Creek, Louisiana, newly rebranded Battle Creek Raceway offers some of the greatest dirt kart racing in the Deep South. Centrally located 11 miles south of the Turkey Creek exit on I-49, Battle Creek has classes for all ages. Under new ownership from experienced racers, Battle Creek definitely has the racer's best interests in mind. As one of the home tracks for the guys at Four Takes and Fuel Podcast, when you see us at the racetrack, come tell us hello. And as we get back into the episode, be sure you're ready for battle at Battle Creek Raceway. All right, so uh, episode 77. Um Still going strong. Uh, we iced out last weekend with Tunica, I guess you'd say. Um, weather pushed it back to this weekend, so we're leaving this Friday. Don't have any results for Tunica, um, and it's looking pretty pretty gnarly up in there in the Carolinas this weekend with a ton of rain coming. So it'd be pretty interesting to see what goes down with that. I believe Liberty, Liberty, the Chili Bowl, uh, like Clint said, race at Liberty, and the Chili Bowl is uh, not looking good on the weather forecast, but uh. Tunic is going to be racing, so really excited to get back out there. Um, like I said before in previous episodes, I'm I'm just excited to be out there. It's fun, fun little place to be. And um, the Dusty race has been moved a week, essentially for the, the same reasons why the races yeah. up in the Carolinas probably going to uh, rain just, out. So yeah, they just called it a little early, which is perfectly fine. I mean, it's supposed to rain all week here. The track's going to be muddy. Uh, I, I'm glad they're doing that because I would want their first race to be seamless, perfect, you know, mm-hmm. M- more, most ideal conditions for a absolutely. Race yeah. I'd hate to get out there and it'd be just be, well, first of all, I'd hate to have to flip a quarter in a, because mm-hmm. it's, it's good money right here. Um, and it's, it's closer, but then, you know, there's, a lot more money yeah. up there, you know, yeah. and, 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 and yeah, you're, I'm, you're, I'm just really glad it. they took that whole decision away. Yeah. Cause there, there's a, they were getting, they were going to lose some cart count from the people going to Tunica from around here. You know, there was definitely, I'd probably have to say, um, a good, probably 30 or 40 entries rolling out to Tunica, I would believe. So great call. It's still going to be a great turnout for the yeah. Dusty Prudent Memorial race, uh, battle Creek raceway. We had those guys on last week. So if you're just hearing this episode and you kind of want to hear some track promoter talk, uh, Battle Creek, uh, David, uh, David and Logan were on last week talking about it. So uh, give them a like on their Facebook and and check out their information. One more thing, I do want to say I'm glad they they did this early because the last thing you want to do is load up, head out to the track, and them last minute cancel it because the track is unraceable. You know, yeah. It, it, it helps with preparation. You know, there's not a lot of rushing going on. We we already know that we are a week away now from racing. Definitely. 
Yeah, Tunica, hey. I believe, did it on Tuesday. So we didn't even we didn't even scale or anything. We we had just got tires ready because obviously you're gonna work tires before the race, but um, it's still we're still gonna go with the same stuff we thought we were gonna go with. So it didn't change much. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it 100 percent though. Uh, y'all's weather got lost on Sunday. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was supposed to go north on 75, and somehow it decided to go southbound. Uh, yeah, because it was. It was just a little bit chilly um, Sunday morning over here. Just a little bit. Yeah, what, it was about 42 degrees? Uh, nah, 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 nah. It was like a 35, 36. It was like uh, 18 here a week ago, and it felt like it was four. Dude, it was so cold. Dude, <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I just want you to realize I'm 300 miles south of you. Or not, no. 300 miles south of me? No, no. Bro, I'm, you uh, in Cuba? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm like, what, 180 miles from I-10? Okay. So we just chalk it up here. We'll just say 200 miles south. 200 miles south of you. Okay. Um, it ain't supposed there. to get that cold here. Man, I think Miami even got pretty chilly. It got in the sixties. No, not listen. Mm. I'm gonna keep, keep my mouth shut on Miami. All right. <laughs> not it's not rated for the podcast. So I think there's there's big moves moves going on in NASCAR though with the Hunt Brothers uh, sponsor. Mm. Ethan's not happy about it. Ethan's <laughs> severely upset about it. I hate it. Yeah. So we hear. Uh, Joey, don't even say Joey Logano is getting Kevin Harvick's old sponsor of Hunt Brothers Pizza. Yeah, Spain. In Spain without the S. Boo! If you're new to the channel, we all dislike all my, Joey. All my like, homies love Joey Logano. No, no, it's actually no. the opposite. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't yeah, tell the sarcasm. Are. Sarcasm was there. Not kind of all love Brad Keselowski, but uh, yeah, Brad, all, Brad came around. Okay. Yeah, Brad yeah. did come around. Brad came around, but Joey never did. I don't know what it is. I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I did not like Brad at all and, when he first started and, coming around. But Joey has kept the same same hatred for him as yeah, as long as and I, I can thought, remember. I hey. thought it might have been a Pinsky thing, but like no problems with Ryan Blaney. You know, none, none. zero. Yeah, um, I even bought a, a diecast of him. And Alex, you bought a diecast of Joey. What's okay, wrong with you. Whoa, 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 Big T. whoa, Big T right here. Big time out. I'm going to blow a whistle. Um, <laughs> it was a probably the coolest scheme he's ever put on his car. It's when he, I, wanted, when he dumped William Byron at Byron Arlington. Had, okay, it, was, on. it had the what confetti that, on it. What made that scheme so special? Nothing. That, that it's red, just cool. I don't know that red, man. That's a nice red. I don't give a rat's butt, all right? Rat's <laughs> ass about it, all right? Listen, you want to talk about a cool red? Go see the Acura for the Rolex 24 this weekend, okay? They're running chrome red paint, all right? I mean, this was like a chrome burnt orange. I don't care about Joey Logano, all right? Plain and simple. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would have never bought that, but you do. (laughs) And then I I bought the William Byron truck that I watched him win at Martinsville, so that was cool. Yeah, listen, I need to go to like, oh. Never mind. I need to go somewhere that's got these, uh, these die casts. Target and, uh, or Walmart, man. RJ or Walmart. Oh, great! So I can make a, I can make a pact with my girlfriend. 
She can go to Target. She can go to Target and just look around aimlessly, and I can go to Target with a plan. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, and y'all can you can walk out of there with a because you got a twenty five dollar gift card and you spent four hundred and seventy sixty five dollars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If if you need me, I'm in the toy aisle. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen, it never fails. Okay. I go to Target. I just grab a basket. All right. Somehow I'm leaving with a basket full of crap. Yeah. I'm like, what do we need this for? I, I don't know. No, I'm pretty good at it now. I was I was bad at that when I was younger, but I am leaving with a diecast almost every time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Except for you don't have to ask Dad if you can get it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sometimes they do have some too, pretty slick sometimes. ones. Yeah, no, Target Target has the better ones, but Walmart has that Authentics, and they just released like the um, like the Legacy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Picked up that Dale Senior. I was pretty happy about that one. I uh I I I kind of had my childhood uh spark up because like I I never had a truck diecast before and for me to be able to buy a truck diecast was absolutely the coolest thing ever cuz I, I they've been so rare. I had sent y'all I think it was Corey Heim and um yeah Zane Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I almost I almost got the Heim one cuz that one was dope but I didn't. Yeah. I I want I want my first truck to be Truex's dirt win. Yeah, fifty one. That's so I'm saving I'm saving that cherry for that. Ever since I bought this autographed uh, California win from uh, Har- uh, Larson, I've always liked the ones with the confetti and like the race one type yeah. deal. So like, that's what I'm kind of into now. Yeah, I feel you, man. But they Those don't make dope. the diecast now like they used to at yeah. all. They're just not like they say, like, yeah, they do a good job, but they just don't no, do them listen, like they used to. No, suppose like, dude, I've seen like a bunch of people and complain about uh, Lionel's uh, like QA, QC process. Um, like I saw one, um, the hood hinges, like the first batch of next gens that they had come out with. Some of the hood hinges were just bent and the hood wasn't sitting flush and all this stuff and you go to send it back and they're like oh well nothing we can do yeah i'd love to send this one off except for it's signed so <laughs> well, can't good luck in that rear back. hatch does not open everything else opens except for the rear hatch i um i really want that truex championship chrome oh yeah that one you said you, oh, you found on facebook and sent to me yeah, a while it's back so, it's so expensive uh, one day I'll get it. <laughs> that's kind of like that's kind of like when my dad uh, managed to get me the Harvick Color Chrome one of seventy one from his five hundred win. Um, that's pretty dope. Yeah, and I got it signed, so um, that's worth a lot of money now mm-hmm. since it's retired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that, but that ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Um, the Clash. Let's just call it how it is. Um, NASCAR dropped the ball. Okay. You're going to have to enlighten me. Yeah. Okay. So originally tickets for the clash only got you in on Sunday. No tickets were available to be bought for Saturday when practice and such goes on. So they're just practicing in an empty Coliseum. Like it's COVID. And I guess they got enough backlash. And now, um, not only 
are people allowed to go watch practice and such on Saturday, but it's free. Huh. I wouldn't be mad about it. Yeah, so, that's awesome. You get more seats. I mean, even if you're not going to dude, Sunday, listen, you know, you I mean, get, you're getting in front of some race cars and you might make some fan, some new fans out of it. You never know. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of like if you, you know, if you buy a Xfinity ticket or, uh, yeah, if you buy an Xfinity ticket, you can see, uh, cup qual a cup practice and then Xfinity yeah. qualifying and then the Xfinity mm -hmm. race. Yeah. So when I, when I went to dig, I just did a bundle. I think I was like 170 and I got, Saturday, which was Arca Xfinity, and then Sunday. Yeah, you in the went best when seats uh, Earnhardt was Dega. racing, though, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 In the three, yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah. I was at your what house. We were screaming that, uh, at the TV. Mm -hmm. You should. I was screaming at real life. That's when. Uh, <laughs> that's when Chastain went through the middle of the pack and yeah. slowed them all down. Yeah, and ended yeah. up winning the race. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Everybody was like, "What? The move out the way!" Like everybody was like, "Move." And then he and we were just like, what the that worked. Holy <laughs> shit, that worked. So um thoughts on his scheme though. Right. I'm biased, it's not as good as Harvick's. Straight up. It looks damn near the same. His bush light scheme ain't as good as Harvick's, just calling it how it is. Well, well, yeah. Car ha Harvick did have some bush lights. I just Regular Bush or the Bush Apple was more iconic to me. Yeah, but a lot of things are changing this year, man. Daytona I mean, Five Hundred is four Sundays away. Yeah. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. I'm trying to get. I'm I'm trying to get lucky at the 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 Daytona Five Hundred again because last year we were on our honeymoon for the Daytona Five Hundred, mm -hmm. and uh, this year we'll be in Jasper for the Daytona Five Hundred. Uh, but I had put like $5 on, you know how you have like eight, eight sets of drivers. So it's 16 drivers and you got to pick who's going to finish in front of who mm -hmm. I put like $10 on it. You and, and I, 300. you and I, you won 300. Bank, yeah. Alex and I bankrolled off of the yeah. 500 last year. It was like $10 turned into 300 and it was, there was a I huge accident at the end of the race. Hell yeah. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. That's when. Uh, yeah, Kyle Busch won the 500. Mm -hmm. He just didn't win the 503 or whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and get into the interview. Uh, really excited to sit down with Tristan and uh, get to know him a little bit more than uh, than we have, and um, you know, have a good conversation with him. So here it is, Mr. Tristan Jones. So, Mr. Tristan Jones, buddy, how's it going? Going pretty good. Um, I know y'all just came uh, back from old Charlotte. Y'all had the banquet to to get your national championship this past weekend. How'd that go? It was nice. I mean, we went Charlotte, ate, talked to everybody, got my jacket and everything. Definitely something different. It was your was that your first time at the banquet or Yeah, it was my first time at Nationals Banquet. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely looks like a something really cool. Yeah, it was a good time. I looked around and I was like, I finally got it. And now I just got to focus on getting everything else I've ever wanted racing. Oh, yeah. 
So let, let's let's get started in where you started, man. Who, when, how did you get started racing? First chassis, first local tra- track, all that. Uh, I started when I was three. My dad used to race go-karts, and he moved up to cars. And then I was born, and he wanted to get me into it. I uh, got a Phantom Icon was my first go-kart. Hell yeah. We went Southern Pride, which is in uh, Gaffney area, South Carolina. Okay around there and i kind of raced at sugar tit with uh goob and all them and foothills and stuff like that and then i started to move out to bigger races what growing up what class did you run at three years old i ran red plate back then they just let you kind of run red plate they didn't really that's crazy dude that's insane. Tristan's the reason why they implemented the juice box class. <laughs> yeah. No, I, so- I think I remember being, I've been friends with you on Facebook since you're like junior one days. Like you were really, really young. And I, I, I don't know if you remember. We've just always been friends on Facebook since I can remember. Yeah, okay. really? Yeah. Um, I was on junior one when I was young too. I think I was like five years old or six years old and I started running junior one. Really? Like, kicked me out of red plate, told me I couldn't run red plate at a lot of places. So, there you go. Move up. Y'all kind of stayed around the South Carolina till area, didn't really travel much until, you know, what about junior one, junior two ish? Yeah, junior one, we started going to like Georgia and Nieces and places like that and kind of going out more. And I got you. I got rides for people and started going and traveling. I got you. And, uh, you know, what was it kind of like growing up in that area? I mean, like, I'm sure as a kid, you didn't realize it, but that's kind of like the, uh, the hotspot for karting, you know, the Carolinas. Um, I'm sure you had to learn pretty quick how to, how to get around a racetrack if you wanted to hang with them. It was definitely a little, you had to jump up and start quicker and learn everything a lot quicker than you'd think. I mean, racing at Georgia at Thanksgiving Thunder when you're six, seven years old was hard because everybody around there was good. And you had to compete with all them. And it was hard to even make the race at that time. Yeah, it's, that's back when the juniors had 40, 50 go-karts in one class. Yeah, I remember at Thunder one year we were in Junior 1 Pro, and there was like 60 of us, and I qualified like 15th, and I was the happiest kid there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of juniors, man. And Junior 1 at that. Yeah, those were prime go-kart days. I don't, I don't think we'll see those numbers for a while. I don't think so. Kind of yeah, died but, off in the junior prices. And about what what year was this? What year did you start? About what, 2006 or seven? I or, started racing about 2000. I started riding in like 2008. 2008. And this was probably 2014 time, like time period. And junior yeah, see, one stuff. Started in 2008. I think that's uh, for well, that like, the, the year. younger drivers we had on. I think that's the like the earliest we've had so far. <laughs> That was that was the year I went to Thunder. It was fourteen. It was cold. It was very cold. Cold. That's I, when I, I hated that. Race. I love that race, but I hate it because it was always cold. But it was always the most fun race of the year. Yeah, isn't that when the header came off and then Cole Johnson ended up winning it? Yeah, yeah. It was ten thousand semi pro or something like that. Mm-hmm. Qualified. Third. Yeah, that was that year. Yeah. So. You know, um, when did you guys like, did, did someone come along and, and kind of help y'all get started or did y'all just kind of 
start like you know we kind of talked a little bit about moving uh out of your your local stuff but you know when did that confidence kind of start pushing to do that like was it kind of just hey dad i want to race different racetracks or like you you know your dad kind of came up to you was like we're gonna start doing different things uh well i mean i raced some and my dad reached out to people because me it was just me and him most of the time we didn't really have somebody there paying for everything it was just me and him on saturdays and we had a buddy of ours named cliff Fennell. he uh actually passed recently he uh made he was the owner of titan chassis mm-hmm. and he put me in a champ buggy and i started racing and we kind of got the end of that and he was i think he kind of told my dad i need to move up and move out and go out in other places so I, he reached out to some people and they helped me some and I started running Jamie's prep and we adventured out some, start running bigger races. Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew you were on Jamie's when like you first started venturing out and then it kind of switched over to Jerry and stuff and we'll kind of touch on that later. But, uh, you know, who, you know, in the early days, it doesn't matter early days, uh, you just piece somebody or people who were, you know, big inspirations, whether that was learning things with the go-kart, whether that was learning how to drive, anything like that. You know, who who were some big role models in, in your career? I mean, I'd say probably Harold and Todd. I, I mean, I've known, I grew up talking to Harold, and he was always there to talk and help and do everything he could. And then watching as far as racing-wise and trying to learn, Jamie and Jerry, I watched them growing up, and I've had, I mean, now I've talk, I talk to him. I talk to Jamie often. And he helps me as much as he can. And racing with Jerry taught me a lot. But growing up watching them and then being able to talk to them now and still learn stuff from them is pretty important to me. Yeah. And that has to be pretty cool of, uh, you know, looking up to these guys as a kid. Now, now you, you know, you're they, you're their competition. And that, that has to be really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, me and Jamie, we were racing against each other at Paradise for the Rumble this year. And I still, I mean, he still helped me and tell me what, like, I'd ask him questions and see what he thought, and he'd talk to me and everything. And even Daniel, I mean, I talked to Daniel, too, a good bit, and he helps me as much as he can. Mm-hmm. So, and, in, in, you know, you know, you just we just kind of talked about how somebody who's helped you, you know, people who have helped you, but what was something that was hard for, maybe not hard, but uh, one of the biggest things you had to overcome in racing of the sport? I think the hardest thing really is like you're a kid. I mean, most kids, you see them running around the racetrack playing. When I was a kid, I mean, my dad always told me if I want to do it, I had to work for it. So, I mean, I was always trying to work on my stuff and everything, but learning tires was definitely the hardest part for me. Like being able to tell somebody that I'm driving for, like what I need is it was a hard learning curve for me. And I started to get better with it since I'm doing my own stuff, but that was definitely the hardest part for me. Understanding that, it don't turn and it turns too much is not the, not the right communication <laughs> skills. I mean, as a kid, you'd think, yeah, I just come in here and tell them this. They're just going to know exactly what I'm it's, talking about. It's a magic trick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was definitely my learning curve. I think that's yeah, a, that's a lot of people's learning curve right there. Cars are very important in the States, but, um, so you are the number 62. We like to ask all our guests this, if there's any significant to their number or why you chose your number. Oh, well, my birthday is June 20th, 2006. So mm-hmm. 620 06. And my uh, 
dad was number 89 when he raced because his birthday's 89. Mm-hmm. And so my papa didn't want me to be number 20 because everybody was number 20 and he didn't <laughs> like that. And then he didn't want to be 620 because it's a three digit number. Mm-hmm. So we just stuck with 62 and I pretty much ran it ever since. Um, you have like, is it a, is it a halo or a zero around the six, the top right left of the six? It's a halo. Uh, when I was younger, my grandma died of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So every rap ever had, I've tried to put the halo and her initials in my number, which Scott Lynn kind of made that idea happen. So I've tried to do it ever since. So all my bodies usually have the halo and the, her initials and the number. That's cool. To kind of super cool out there. Yeah, it's just something different. You definitely like you definitely have the same font and you definitely have the same little halo. So like the, it, 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 you know, and there's not many people who run the number 62. So if you see it, you know, everybody knows it, that's you. Yeah. It's kind of my, how people recognize me. Definitely. With one of the most iconic names in the karting industry, leading the team, Chavis racing products is the premier karting and body seat manufacturer in the country. Whether you're looking for a cart body, seat, or fairing, our friends at Chavis Racing Products will have you looking and feeling best behind the wheel. With over 15 years of experience in the karting industry, Chavis Racing Products delivers time and time again with their quality and customer service. With three different bodies to choose from, seat sizes ranging from Rookie to 2XL, and their newest carbon fiber options, they are always thinking of new and innovative ways to improve comfort and performance for racers. To find out more, go check them out online on Facebook and their website, ShavisRacingProducts.net, or give the shop a call at 706-840-1886. When you reach out, be sure to let them know that the guys at Vortex and Fuel sent you. So, you've been at it for a while now. You've been racing a long time. What are some of your biggest or most special wins? And it can be multiple that you've had in your career. I'd probably say some of my biggest ones I've had would be nationals this past year was definitely up there because I've been trying to win it for a while. And the junior big dog at Paradise paid when it paid five grand in junior three. And Daytona would be my top three biggest wins I've had. All solid. Solid choices. I mean, that Max is national. And you said you, you, you're doing everything on your own, right? For that national. Yeah. I had, I mean, I had a good buddy of mine that lives around me. He's close with Daniel and them. He did my tire for that weekend. And after that, I kind of took over doing all my own. Gotcha. So, you know, we we don't talk about this a lot, but, um, you know, a big thing in leading big races like that is, uh, not letting it get to you. Like understanding the moment, I guess you could say, um, and how you just got to still hit the same laps that either kept you in the front or got to the front. You know, did, did, you know, did you ever have to, to come across that with, with leading these big races or anything like that? Realizing that you just have to hit your marks and do your thing and you'll be okay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's difficult to do because, you know, they're probably right there at you and you have to try to keep it out front and not make any mistakes because any mistake can cost you that race. I've just, I mean, for me, I usually just, I don't usually handle bad under pressure. I'm usually pretty good under pressure. So when I'm leading big races, I just keep my mind clear and drive my line and don't worry about it. And if it comes down to it, last lap or anything, I can, I'd rather be leading the last two laps because last two laps, they have to pass me. I don't have to worry about passing someone else. Yeah. And, uh, so I, 
always learned that growing up. If I'm out front in the last two laps, they got to get by me. Mm-hmm. So I can block or whatever, they have to try to move me out of the way. So I always try to be leading the last two laps of the race. That's, so that's interesting. That's interesting because I know I know a few people who would rather be riding kind of shotgun rider, riding second, be able to make the choice. Cause, Especially at like a draft-heavy track, you know? Yeah, those draft-heavy racetracks are sketchy, but when I when I drove for Jerry and Slim, We'd go to, we went Possum Kingdom quite a bit. And I lost her, I think, my second race with them at Possum. I lost it because I waited too long to try and pass somebody. And I come back in, Slim, and Slim told me, he said, hey, he's like, if you get in that situation, pass them with two to go. He said, I guarantee you they won't get back around you with two to go. He said, they have to get by you and they have to move you out of the way. They, so well, they since, first have the catching you is one thing and then passing you is a second. Yeah. So that it does make a little nationals sense. for me. Yeah. But you had you that had a comfortable nice. lead at the nationals. Yeah, I think we'd probably had a bigger lead, but when I passed for a lead, I got turned down on and that kind of killed my momentum. Yeah. That kind of hurt me. I think we'd have won by a good bit if we didn't get turned down on. By a mile or an inch, a win's a win. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, you're the one with that jacket, man. Yeah. I'm glad to finally have one. Yeah. yeah. Was that kind of like, was there any like kind of surreal moment at the banquet, you know, kind of getting the jacket, getting the ring, you know, the trophy, having the eagle at the house and everything like that? Did it kind of finally set in or was it already kind of your? It, it kind of set in yesterday because, I mean, growing up as a kid, I always dreamed to be up on that stage getting that jacket and that eagle. And that was always my goal. And then yesterday. So this is kind of a new question we're trying to implement into the uh, the podcast. I know anybody who's been listening for a good amount of time or at least a couple few episodes, they know that we have questions that kind of roll uh, consecutively in the podcast all the time. But this is a new one that we kind of want to get into is, you you, you know, do you have any, um, you know, funny, crazy stories getting there? Because like sometimes we have these trips that go and they just have like this wild story that goes with it or something at the racetrack where it doesn't make sense how it happens and turns a bad day into a good day or something like that. I got a few. Probably my most one I find the funniest is it was me, Jerry, Slim, my dad, on the way to Jasper, Florida for uh, the AJC race that paid five grand in junior two. Mm-hmm. And we were on the way down there and we we were getting close. We were in Florida. And Slim told Jerry, he said, Hey, stop at a gas station. I got to use the bathroom. And Jerry just kind of ignored him. And he said it again. And Jerry's like, Shut up. And he's like, I got to pee. He said, Slim, just put your gut on it. He said, just sit back there and hold it and put your gut on it. And me and my dad, we still joke about that to this day because that was probably the funniest thing <laughs> I heard on the way to the track. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is good one. Jerry, I'm a hard time. <laughs> put your gut on it. That's good. That's I've never heard that before. That's That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. And then we had a few at Charlotte. We unloaded and uh, Jerry the was big car track. Yeah, and Jerry cussed Slim out from the time the trailer door dropped till we practiced, <laughs> and we went out there and qualified, and something was wrong. And I, I mean, I didn't know what it was, and I come off after qualifying, and we were we qualified dead last, and we were way off, and uh, we looked at it, and I we put the same it was the same number gear, but it was mismatched. So the teeth didn't line up. So it was uh-huh. skipped. Mm-hmm. So we 
dead last at Charlotte. And I'm I'm pretty good there. I like that racetrack. I wish we could still run it. So I started dead last. And I told him, and Slim was all upset about it because he'd been getting fussed at all day. I was like, Slim, be all right. And I was like, we'll come from rear and win it. Well, we started dead last. And I think by lap six, we were leading. And I, there was like six of us in a line. And I was getting pushed around. And that racetrack's just so big, anything can happen. So I'd go off in the corner. And I'd just stomp the brake and try to knock them out of line. Well, like two to go, I stomped the brake hard enough. And they hit me. And they all slid up. And I won the race. And I lost the pro race later that night because I uh, <laughs> going down the front stretch. So that was a definitely a rough day. Yeah, yeah it's mean, a pretty big racetrack. I, I don't know. I, they only did it for a few years, but uh, it was it seemed pretty cool when they would do it. I think they did it two or three years. Mm-hmm. First year I went, I qualified on pole and pro junior three on the second day, and it ran. It poured down rain. And they per- they uh went out there with the grader, and the grader slid straight to the infield. <laughs> I was like, cancel it. I was like, just cancel it. I mean, I I'd love to race and win it like that, but I mean, I'd take the win as much and like as easy as I can get it because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be no good if it rained and the racetrack was muddy. Well, they raced anyway, and we started second in the first race, first and second race, and we didn't. I think we finished like fourth and one of them just was not prepared we- for the rain. We was not prepared for the rain. <laughs> that was rough. SD20 doesn't work on moisture. Nah. <laughs> Around here, we love SD20. Oh, I, I, I believe that it's, uh, they say, they say you know, they say moonshine's made in the hills, but I believe it's SD20 and it's coming, it's coming by the 55 gallon drums. For nationals, I went and bought a uh, case of it from a place down the road. They sell cases of it. And I went and bought a case of it, and I think I got still got like nine cans left. And I'm just praying for a racetrack around here that needs SD20. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go and uh, get into the next question, though, um, I kind of wanted to talk. You kind of you've mentioned Jerry and Slim a lot, um, and, and you know Slim is known for you know a great tire guy and just a great guy in general. Uh, and Jerry is known for for one of the best to do it in the business. Uh, you know how how was that riding with them and learning from them? Um, did you understand about what like did you know what they had done and what they have been able to accomplish? You know when you started with them. Obviously, as you grew, you knew. But I mean, yeah, it was. I mean, I knew everything. I mean, I'd watched Jerry growing up, and I'd seen how good he was, and watched him win all them races. And he was kind of an idol to me at the time. And Slim come up to me, and I, they had told me before they wanted me to be on their the UKS Crown Jewel team, mm-hmm. and they wanted me to be a part of it because we all rode Phantom and stuff like that. And so we went to Possum one weekend, and Slim had mentioned to me that they were interested in having me drive for them. And I was like, okay, and I was like, that's fine. And we talked about it some more, and then we had a bad deal happen in Georgia, and stuff went wrong, and. Burned some bridges there. And so we, I went and talked to Slim. I was like, hey, Slim, I still got per race. Can you do my tires? And I was like, whatever happens after that's fine. I was like, I just need somebody to do my tires. Well, Slim did my tires, and we drove from like – well, he took the tires I'd ran, and he fixed them himself and changed the stuff for them. And we drove from like ninth to third and at Georgia. And then we talked after the races, and he took my go-kart home, and I went to Jerry's house the next day, and he 
we talked about it and he agreed to let me race with him. And so, I mean, he taught me a lot. He, me and him would work on tires in the trailer and I'd, we'd work on go-karts in the shop. Spent a lot of nights at the shop working on go-karts with him and Slim. We won quite a few races together. Yeah, that race a little over two years. Yeah, y'all had a y'all had a really good run. There was there was not many times you weren't in victory lane with them or 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 top two. You know. Yeah. Probably the roughest race we weekend we had was when I won the five grand. <laughs> qualified fifth, and Colby qualified on the pole and open. Mm-hmm. So we we thought we were looking good, and then it rained earlier. It rained for like four hours that day early on. So when the sun went down, our moisture came back up, and we we were all terrible in everything we ran. And so Jerry raced right before me, and he uh went and he walked in the trailer. He said, "I don't know." He said, "I'm just gonna put these on." He said, "They might run, they might not. I don't know." And we we t- went green. We didn't make very many green flag laps at the beginning, and we finally we went and made a green flag run, and I made the third. And then Camboy and all them wrecked, and we had that long red flag. And my stuff never fired back off. I dropped like a rock, and I was just blocking everybody trying to stay where I was. And eventually it came down to it, and I got the lead, and I just locked up the brakes and rode, through, rode around the bottom and held it down there as much as I could to win the race. I need a, I need your rough weekends. Your rough weekends <laughs> a good weekend for me. <laughs> I definitely have weekends. I just don't want to talk. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hey, and, you know, having being able to, you know, be in the shop with Slim and stuff, I'm sure that just advanced your knowledge on tires and everything so much more. Yeah, it definitely helped me a lot and taught me a lot. And I know a lot more than I did before then. So and, that taught me enough to yeah. kind of put me where I am doing my and, own tires. Learned a lot. And Preston was with y'all too when you were with Jerry, huh? Yeah, Preston and Colby were around at that time. Yeah, so having Preston just- cool. And somebody I talked to about racing and communicate with and talk me and him both talked to Jerry and we just communicate and usually get our stuff right where it needed to be for the races. Definitely. And so, you know, moving from juniors here recently, what you've you've been in seniors for what, two or three years? Yeah, I ran a few races two years ago and last year I raced some main it was mainly big motor stuff though. So. I took some time off, just got burned out on it. But so, yeah, this is probably second or third year in seniors. And so, you know, junior racing is a lot different. You know, junior three, yeah, it's, it's pretty close to what a stock light would get um, yeah. racing. Uh, but, you know, running running the clone heavies and mediums and, and these other races, the pro races and stuff like that, you know, what kind of transition was that for you? Did you have to change much or, or just understanding that, you know, these are guys have been doing it for a lot longer. They have a different way of driving than, you know, junior threes usually have the same amount of experience running up front with each other. You know, so was that a little bit of a transition for you? It was definitely a transition because, I mean, you come from juniors and goes to seniors. You got to earn your respect in, in that class and get them to respect you. Know you're there to run up front and not just ride in the back. It was definitely a big jump for me, which I kind of was planning on having – a semi-pro career i didn't really get that i had moved straight up after nationals so <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a short-lived semi i mean i guess it's not a bad thing though short-lived yeah i mean it it makes me better having to race against the best of the best and moving up already and mm. get 
your own tires and understanding everything a lot better. Definitely. I think, I think that, you know, with the semi-pro class used properly, I feel like it, it, you know, uh, you know, I, I said, uh, like you said, unless you go your route, I just automatically get yourself kicked out of the semi-pro class. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great stepping stone, but I feel like, you know, at one point you want to be in that pro. Everybody that has that, you know, that fire in them wants to be in the pro class running up front in the pro classes. Uh, so I guess just take it as a a, a tool and, and use it, you know? Yeah. I mean, every kid growing up wants to be like Jamie and Austin and all them growing up running pro, move up to the pro class and go win everything like them. I mean, semi-pro is just like the step between there for like juniors who moved up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be upset about moving, about not having a long semi-pro career because, I mean, I get to race against them and learn a lot more and try to better myself racing-wise. Build their respect and and know that you're there to compete with them and not just ride around. Yeah, I mean, it means a lot more to go win a pro race than it does a semi-pro race. Yeah. Definitely. So, Tristan, you know, one one thing we want to talk about is, you know, um, the loyalty to Phantom, you know, you look at karting now, Phantom, you know, I don't want to say it's fallen off, but, you know, you see everybody riding Charger, Platinum, uh, Premier, XYZ, um, but, you know, you're one of the guys that's stuck with Phantom. Um, you know, what's that tech support been like, um, if any, and, you know, what's what's that loyalty like? Yeah, I've been with Phantom since I started. I've always been Phantom and I moved up and I talk, I've always been close with Harold, but now I've got older and Harold always helps me as much as he can. I can always talk to Harold and text him if I need something, he'll have it for me and I just go pick it up. He's always helped me more than anybody. So, I mean, I'm not going to just jump ships because things ain't going right at the time. I mean, I've always loved my Phantom Go-Karts. I've never had a problem with any of them. And if I did, I always talked to Harold or James or somebody and they tried to help me figure it out. Like I've had James scale my go-karts and Harold's helped me put my go-karts together. I worked there for a short amount of time over the summer and I learned a lot doing that too. I mean, he's just always been there for me. So I've just always stayed loyal and stuck with it because I know that at the end he'll always be there and have me a go-kart and he'll always be there to support me. What, what would be your favorite chassis from Phantom? I'd say probably the regular triton 2014 triton hell or yeah there the side one of them too yeah hell yeah I, I had a triton and i rode it some in like 2018 at like warrior creek and stuff when they had big three races there and then i totaled it i did a backflip off the hill and <laughs> that killed that go court yeah i'm telling you man like tritons on like a good like like on like saturday night shows and stuff like that like you can't it's hard to beat it's uh, the triton is just such a dang good go-kart and as I'm long stuck. as you keep keep the components changed on it axle spindles l blocks kingpins all this other stuff like it is just studs studs yes it's just it's just tough to beat man it's just such a dang good chassis i mean and, yeah. and the last time they the last time they produced them was almost 10 years ago it's crazy i love that go-kart it was my baby and yeah. i've been i had to get a new one think after that i got the i had the deuce at the time too i like the deuce too deuce was a good go-kart i like my recon too it just 
I didn't like the recon growing up because I wasn't big enough to make it transfer. Mm-hmm. So I went to the junior Triton and then now I'm bigger so I can run the recon. And I, I mean, I rode it now when I started back and I'm starting to like it a lot more, especially after nationals. Oh yeah. But I, I think I, you know, I really respect, uh, the loyalty to it, you know, even though when times get tough, you still try to figure it out because that's kind of not very popular nowadays. It's like when things start going tough, they start looking for people start looking for change instead of kind of uh, trying to figure it out together. You know, I just I, I I really respect that about about you. To me, in my opinion, if you're I mean, if something's not working out on your go kart or whatever. If you jump, if you jump to another go kart, you're going to figure it out, too. So you're basically spending more time trying to figure that out instead of just figuring out and communicating with the people and learning the other go-kart and figuring it out. So it's just spending more time on another go-kart. And, oh, I think, and money. Uh, yeah, and money. And money. And I think I think something that's very important too is, you know, the support. You know, I think I think about sixty percent of of wanting to stay with someone is the support, knowing that you can, you know, phone call, you know, that that's support of having at the racetrack. I feel like that's big. Cause if you go to the racetrack and you have no one to bounce off of or anything of that nature, it's a, it, it could be some long days at the racetrack trying to figure it out by yourself. Yeah. I usually, if Todd or Daniel's there, I spend a good bit of time over there at their trailer talking to Daniel or Todd and seeing what they think and talking about gear and everything. And I mean, Harold, he's there as much as he can be for me. Like he'll te- he's one text away from me. If I text him, he's gonna answer. At nationals, I won it. I was taking the motor off and uh, tech. And before I even got, I got the motor off and I went to my trailer and I got on my, I picked up my phone. I clicked the power button. The first person who texted me was Harold. I mean, even at the banquet, he showed up. I texted him that week and he said he he had a banquet for Millbridge going on that same day. Mm-hmm. He said, if I "Take it, I'll be there." And I, he texted me after I got done with my speech and got my jacket and everything. I looked at my phone. He texted me and was making fun of me. And I mm. walked while I'm standing back there, and he took a picture with me and everything else, and we talked for a minute. That's awesome. That's, I mean, you yeah. can't really ask for much better than that, to be honest, you know? Yeah, he's always been there for me since I was a little kid. Yeah, that's uh, that definitely – it's more of a family than it is, you know, uh, a chassis chassis builder to a chassis, you know, buyer, uh, you know? Yeah. He's definitely like family to me. And so, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit earlier earlier uh, about how you're more of a you're not the uh, like right like you kind of talked about you're not riding for a team or something like that where somebody else is doing your tires. You know, it's kind of you and your dad doing it. Um, and just kind of talk about that because that's not that's not very common right now. You know, if you want to you want to run up front in your area, usually usually you're on a team. You see big teams running up front, but you're doing it. You know. Kind of, kind of solo-ish, you know. Yeah, well, I quit racing for probably six months, and I told my dad, I was like, "Hey, I was like, I got a motor for the Big O. I want to get ready for that." So we got ready, and we ran Big O and some stuff after that. And the guy I was racing with, he he had a lot of stuff going on with family and everything, and we took a break off and whatever. And he helped me. I mean, we still talked about racing, plan to go racing. But he just had a lot going on, so he didn't really have time for it. I told my dad, I was like, hey, I was like, I'm going to get some tires this week. And I was like, we'll get ready for nationals and stuff after that. And I was like, we'll just go do it ourselves. I mean, I grew up, it was just me and my dad. So I knew, I mean, I knew me and him could do it together. It'd just be a lot harder. 
And so I had a buddy of mine help me at nationals. Uh, Chad, he did the tires for nationals and worked his tail off all weekend to make sure we were good. Definitely paid off. It definitely did. And then the next week we went to Liberty and I had, I think four or five sets of tires. It was, uh, I think it was like just a regular NCDS race or something like that. And it was me and my dad. And when we bought parking at the racetrack, so we, we were part, we got parking, whatever and it was me and him. And I talked to him and we kind of planned something for qualifying. We were okay in practice. I made an error in practice and he got on to me and I worked on it and I worked on tires and I went out there for medium and I went out there and I just, it was awful. I come back in and I said, how bad are we? He was like, about dead last. <laughs> I was like, that ain't good. And I was upset. I was upset about it. Like I went back to the trailer and I just didn't know what to do. I was mad. And I uh, went and talked to Ethan Hildebrand about what he thought. And I was kind of on the right track. I just didn't wipe enough. So I sat there and I grabbed a tire and I wiped it, wiped it, wiped it. I went back out there and I felt pretty good and I come off. He said, so we're just going to load up now or what? I said, what do you mean? He said, you're on the pole. And he said, you've been pouting for like the last hour. <laughs> I was like, we still got all pretty to go. We'll see how we're doing it. I put the same set of tires on and kept wiping them. Set on pull again. And that was, I mean, it wasn't a bad weekend. We qualified on two poles first weekend doing it. And we ended up running second and the uh, clone or pro clone heavy. And I think we finished like fifth and all pro. So it was definitely, it kind of boosted my confidence knowing I could run up there with them and do my own tires and still be competitive. So it wasn't a complete waste of time and me putting all this effort in for nothing. Yeah. I, and I feel like it's a lot more rewarding, you know, kind of, you said, boost your confidence. I feel like it's a lot more rewarding when you're able to figure it out. Yeah, I'd say definitely more rewarding for me. I mean, I mean, you have a lot of people who go to the racetrack and pay somebody to do their tires and stuff like that. And I just show up with me and my dad and I'm running just as good. I just, I think that shows builds character and shows a lot more than just paying someone to do it. Definitely. Uh, you know, and it might be a little bit tougher work, but it, it, uh, you're ahead of the people I and mean, I'm not trying to step on any toes, but I feel like grinding in and out like that, you're a little ahead of people who might pay, you know, just pay for it. You know, you can obviously take in knowledge from whatever's being done when you're paying for it. But I feel like, uh, I feel like that's the, uh, that's the old fashioned way to do it is the way you're doing it. I feel like it's way more rewarding to do it yourself and learn and. I mean, you're going to learn either way, but it's, I think it's better to go out there by yourself and just have like a few people helping you and just learn. I mean, you'll eventually understand it and get it right. I think it's more rewarding, in my opinion, to build the knowledge and see you can do it yourself and build character and everything. Definitely. And, you know, something I kind of wanted to talk to you about since this is this, this is the way you do things, you know, you talked about how you went to Liberty with only five sets of tires. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a misconception about, um, tire rotation and i think it is important to have a good tire rotation but i don't think you know like these bigger teams have 40 50 sets they can pull from a trailer i feel like you could go to a racetrack with 10 sets 8 10 sets and as long as you have the the right kind of options i feel like you'd be just fine you know what do you think about that I completely agree. I mean, you have teams with 65 sets, and then you got people with, with like 8 to 10 sets. 
it's not going to matter how many sets you have. It's going to be that one set that's going to run either way. Yeah. I talked to, before I started doing this all by myself, or it was a few weeks after I started doing it all by myself. And I said, hey, how many tires do you think I need to have, or how many sets do you think I need to have in my rotation to be competitive? And he told me like eight to 10. He said he wouldn't go no more over that because it'd be way too much to deal with. And it was only, it's going to be one to two sets that run each week. So it wouldn't matter. So I got 10, 11 sets right now. And I re-roll some of them for certain places and stuff like that. So I just keep a rotation going of 10 sets. Got some scuffs. You got some molds. You got fresh rolls. Yeah. You got re-rolls. You just, it, it doesn't have to be a million tires because you you're not going to run all those every single weekend. You, some, I, know, I know of some people who don't even will, will scuff a tire and roll a tire and never even run it and then eventually just get rid of it. I went – well, last time we raced was Liberty for Clint Trace and – I kind of had a plan set. I ran two sets of tires all day. The only set, two sets of tires I ran all day long. Didn't run any other tire besides them two sets. Yeah. So it's Is, two or three sets a week that'll run. And me and my dad are the same way. Once we find a set of tires, we're going to ride them till they stop. Essentially. <laughs> like we find, we find them in a, in a qualify, like in maybe a middle of a qualifying or they start really good. We might try something in a different class, but we're coming right back to those tires if they don't work. <laughs> yep. I ran a set of tires just because I was saving a set for all pro and I ran that same set in the first two races. And I told my dad, I was like, that set wasn't our good set. I was like, we were just running it so we could save these tires. I mean, we, we were good on that set, but it wasn't the other set was way better. And we drove from 22nd to third. So, I mean, them two sets were two best type sets of tires we had for that weekend. Yeah. And it just takes one set to win the big one. Takes Absolutely. one set. Yes, sir. Before I get on to the next question, is that an old school retro Phantom jacket behind you? It is actually. That yeah, is that's an old awesome. Phantom jacket. I got it from a buddy of mine named Jeff Bryant. Mm-hmm. He uh, brought me his old Phantom jacket and his old Phantom suit because I <laughs> met him at Paris and we talked a lot and he liked me. And we, I still talk to him to this day. I actually talked to him yesterday and he, uh, he's been a big help for me talking to somebody and having somebody support me and he gave me his phantom stuff so i got his jacket hanging on my wall i think i'm gonna do something for him for or at the big o yeah, yeah we'll that's throw. awesome before before we get to the next one you you talked about the big o a little bit uh, and you had a motor ready to go and um uh, you work pretty close with with a with a previous guest that we've had on the podcast uh paul crafton um you know how did yep. that come together you know he's, he's out of texas you're in south carolina uh, Paul, we raced one year. It was two or three years ago at the Big O when I wrote, when I drove for Jerry, and he came and he texted Jerry and was like, "Hey, do you mind if I just come stand in the pits and take video and watch and just kind of get a feel for it?" And Jerry told him, "Yeah." So he showed up and he talked to us. I mean, he helped. He was he caught on quickly, and he helped as much as he could. And I ran Junior Limited the first day, and I started 22nd, and I finished fourth. And then I start, I ran semi-pro the next day, and I totaled my go-kart in the first race. I got chopped coming off turn two, and I got hit by the whole field and killed a three-week-old go-kart. Mm. And he uh, – Wait, wait was that of, on the back stretch? Yeah, that's yeah. the video everybody's seen. Yep. The famous – yeah. <laughs> but – he uh, we looked at the go kart and we had a guy walk up and he's like, "I'll buy it for a hundred dollars." The guy bought bought it for a hundred dollars, just bare frame. We took the motor and stuff like that, and he just took it. And uh, 
we were standing there kind of looking at everything, just at a loss for words. Because that was, I mean, that was three week old go kart, and it's kind of hard to just turn around and buy another brand new one. Mm-hmm. And Paul was like, uh, he was like, don't worry about it. He was like, I'll help you. So Paul helped me get another go kart. And then he, uh, two years ago, he came to the big O again with, uh, with a motor for somebody. I can't, it might have been Preston. Preston, yeah. And, uh, he sponsored me and helped me. And the next year, this past year, he told me he had me a motor. So I ran his motor and he came over there and helped us as much as he could. And we just kind of, I mean, I've been close to him for since that weekend with Jerry. Yeah. With how tough it is to get a big O motor, having a, having a close relationship with a good engine motor like that is uh, definitely important. It, it, it for sure kind of secured you a motor for, for those big races. Yeah, he definitely has good motors, and I hope he has, he keeps building them for years to come because they're definitely good ones. Definitely. All right, next question. We'll move on. Uh, what what's what's a piece of advice you'd give someone just starting in our sport? If they were if they're young and they're just trying to get into it and start, I'd say hang around somebody and learn as much as you can and pick up any piece of information you can. And just kind of use it to your advantage and try to be have someone that's kind of experienced with it help you and point you in the right direction and talk to them and learn as much as you can. Because all that information, if you can stick with it and keep that information, it'll help you in the long run. And just try to keep learning every weekend. and Don't quit if you have a bad weekend. Solid advice. I, that That's something we notice, especially around here. A lot of people give up very quickly you know because when you're starting you're especially now tires prep you know that's that'll deter a lot of people away from our sport yeah i see a lot of people were struggling with prep and wiping tires and everything else and kind of getting understanding for that but i think if you stick with it and just keep trying to learn it you'll eventually catch on and it'll pay off especially if you have someone kind of helping you that's experienced with it yeah and what kind of what kind of advice would you kind of say for someone who is doing their local thing and and starting to kind of build confidence up to go run these bigger races you know what what would you say to them i'd say i mean if you're building confidence in the local stuff and you think you're ready then i just i mean go try it and then if you have a bad weekend you have bad weekends there's plenty more i mean you can go still run some local races and go back running big races I mean, I grew up running local stuff, and I moved up, and I still run some local Liberty shows and like NCDS races that aren't like paying ten grand to win. I mean, you can still run both. I mean, it just helps to go out and run with better competition and learn and see where you fit in at. I think it's important to race. I think it's important to also. uh, We've talked about this before. We even talked about this with Todd. Uh, You know. You know, this sport is is a is a twenty four seven three hundred sixty five day sport now, um, and uh, you you already talked about how you kind of got burnt out. And I feel like it's really important to uh, be able to know your boundaries and, and take proper breaks if if you're able to do that. You know, I think it's important to take a little bit of time off, but you still kind of got to make sure you have tires and keep a tire cycle going. But mm-hmm. racing twenty four seven, and if especially if you're struggling. If you're racing 24-7, you're just having constantly bad weekends, week in and week out and everything else. It just piles up and makes it 
even harder to get ready for that next weekend because you're already feeling down about it. You don't have no confidence going into it. And I think confidence is probably the biggest part of racing. If you're not confident, then you might, you might as well not show up. For me, confidence is important. So having hard weekends and getting burnouts definitely make it very hard. So I try to take at least some breaks between like two to one or two week breaks in between some races and get ready for other bigger ones. Definitely. And, um, you know, I think this is, this is an important question. Um, you know, if you are in kind of a slump, if you ever having a slump, uh, what are some first things that you're looking at in your own program? For me, I mean, if I'm struggling and stuff like that, I'd probably, I'd sit, go call on scales, make sure all my numbers are right. And, uh, talk to somebody like Todd or Harold or somebody like that and see what they think and look at my tires. And I mean, tires are probably the biggest role go-kart is too, but if you're off on tires, that hurts you a lot more. So, I mean, if I'm struggling with certain things with tires, I mean, I change it up some. And if it's go-kart, I'd sit on scales, make sure everything's not bent and look at my spindles, spindles, axles, everything like that. Yeah, Everything's fine. And if I don't know after that, I'd probably talk to Todd or somebody and see what they think, get them to look at everything. Definitely. And that goes back to kind of what you talk about when you learned as a younger kid is is knowing what the go-kart does and making sure that, you know, you're checking the whole, all the check is, checks off. You know, you're trying to put the best set of tires on that you have, uh, making sure every all your, you know, all your equipment is good, good to go. And then you start kind of just asking questions after that, huh? Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, after you've done it for a while, you kind of know what feels right and what feels wrong. So you kind of know what to look at after that point. So, I mean, if I feel something's wrong in the go-kart, I'll come off and look at everything, make sure everything's good on the go-kart. And then I'll go to tires and make and see what I think is wrong on tires or something like that and make sure everything looks right to me. Yeah, I think that's a big role is just kind of understanding everything. And definitely if you learn about the go-karts, like how they put them together and everything else, I think that's very important because you can just kind of tell everything about it. Because I've been, I mean, I've worked on my go-karts since I was four or five years old. So I just kind of know how to look at everything. And I've that's worked with right. Let's fix that. Yeah, I mean, well, I told my dad it paradise i was like spindle don't look right and i was like i don't know spindle so got a scuff look- mark on it we're changing it yeah yeah that's important that's a very important part make sure everything's fine because people don't understand that like what i'm sure people understand i guess i'm saying that because i'm sure people understand but like you know a little tweak spindle can change your cross so much even throughout the race day like we went to talladega and we set it up, we put cross in it, and then it gained like three or four percentages. And it also would not get off the left rear and roll over to the right front. And I was like, what's going on? And we had a bent spindle and it, it just kind of, it just, it wouldn't ride right with a bent spindle. Yeah. I had that problem at uh paradise. It wasn't a bent spindle, but I'm, I'm little, I weigh 140 pounds and I'm running 390 and 375 so i'm having my go-kart stacked with lead about 700 pounds on the seat <laughs> right yeah, there with your butt we got to make sure like we yep. have lead as anywhere we can get it and i went to paradise and i like the go-kart didn't feel right it felt like it would just it plant on one side of the go-kart and then just skate on the other and had no grip mm-hmm. so the second day we we loaded up actually we left or we went to the motel room after the first after qualifying the first day and my dad was like just 
don't worry about it. He was like, we'll work on it tomorrow. And I uh, talked to Todd. And he was like, just let me sit on scales. I was like, okay. We sat on scales, and I think we had – the cross was off like 2 or 3%. And he literally just took a piece of lead off and moved it and changed the right front some, and it went straight back to where it's supposed to be. And we were we qualified decent that day. I was just off on tires that day. But it helped so much. A little tweak. Sometimes you're missing a little bit. Yeah, that's all it takes is, I mean, lead or spindle or just stuff like that just makes the biggest result. And I've done that too. I've done that when we're off a little bit. I'll just look at big picture. I'm going big picture. I'm like, you know, tires is the problem. Tires is the problem. But just a little tweak. If you just kind of, we just settle down. We settle down. We just look at everything and do a little tweak. We'll be okay. But sometimes when you're just having one of those days, it's hard to look at something in the small picture of things. Yeah. I mean, if you're struggling all day, you're getting frustrated and you're already struggling and you're just wanting to throw everything away and quit. It's hard to just focus on the little things and actually pay attention because you're already so mad at everything else. <laughs> you've been on the track seven times and you feel like you've tried 40 sets of tires and you're like, we've we've been in a tenth of a whole day of the, of the same time. Yeah, that was me at Paradise. I, I had, I think, eight sets and I tried six of them and it was really slick that day and we've quite, we didn't make the Wayne pool because we were just so bad off on everything else in the go-kart was the cross was wrong and so i grabbed my dad was like well, we can just leave now and try again tomorrow or we can <laughs> wipe up set i grabbed a set of tires and i was getting ready to kill him he said if you kill i set tires we're going home <laughs> i was like we'll just go to the motel and just focus on tomorrow <laughs> it's kind of tough to go to the motel after a day like that though you're just up thinking the whole time yeah i went i went to the motel and i took a shower and got bed and i watched batesville <laughs> I, didn't watch I didn't even want to think about it i was already so upset with that place i've never been good there i've i've won one race and i've raced there since i was like four or five years old yeah it was the it was the big doggy one and <laughs> yeah the big race that they have there and i won it and that's the only race we've ever won there <laughs> yeah we were talking about it the other yeah. night i was like what a what a race to win if you're gonna win run one race at a racetrack and you'd be there a lot yeah I was, I mean, that, that made me feel good. And then I went there next, next time and I was got off when it just made me mad. Cause I was like, I won the last time I was here and now I'm just in the back. Don't make sense. That racetrack's tricky though. It's definitely different. Definitely. So, uh, I, I apologize, fellas. I've been trying to talk off and on and found out that, uh, <laughs> we were muted up top here. Um, so Tristan, you know, you won the nationals this year, you know, Alex just hinted that, you know, you won the big dog way back when, but you know, long-term let's, let's go long-term, like, you know, five, 10 years from now, like what, what are some of the goals that you have for your racing career? I mean, for me, I'd like to build my program more and kind of move out and get things more stable and have kind of get some younger kids to come race. I'd like to have younger kids and teach them and help them and, try to get them some wins. I definitely still want to race and try to win some more big races. Like the big O is definitely still on my list. I want to go to Jasper and win the world 100 eventually. I still want to win the crown jewel races, but I definitely want to help some other people and that like go through the same things I did when I was younger and don't have somebody there to help them. And they're just off on their own. I kind of want to help them and try to get them up there and get some wins and some bigger stuff. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. That's kind of what the sport needs. Needs uh, yeah. kind of some some mentors to give back to the sport. You know. Yeah, exactly I think... what it needs. Because this is yeah. such a this is such a sport of of take 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 take. You know, because we're all trying to win. Everybody wants to win. Um, but you know, we got to we got to be able to assist and help other people in the sport to to keep it alive and. You know, we talked about this before is, is we're all going to retire one day. And if we don't turn around and give back what we've been given, uh, we won't have much of a sport left here. And, in, in, you know, the 10, 20 years, the kids are the future of the sport. So, I mean, I want to help them as much as I can. I mean, I, I have little kids walk up to me all the time and want to talk. I'll talk to them. I had a little kid, big O, uh, uh, he, I think I met him at Tri County one weekend and I won. I was still driving for Jerry. I won the AJC championship, mm-hmm. and he wanted to take a picture with me. I took a picture with him, and then we went there the next weekend for the UKS race, and I won it, and he wanted to take another picture. Then went to the Big O, and I got hurt. Well, I mean, I, I had that bad wreck, and I hurt my leg, and I was sitting there, and the kid wanted me to sit with him, so I made my way over there to sit with him and talk to him, and I watched him race, whatever, and I wanted to try to be there for him and talk to him and teach him anything I could. So I want to give back to the kids of the sport because they're the future. And if we don't help them and try to teach them things, then we won't have nothing left. And that hurt me. We didn't have racing left after me. Yeah, that's uh, exactly right. Definitely. It's a, it's a big point uh, that we need to, uh, need to really focus and dial in here. So we're going to get into this little rapid fire segment. It's five questions, the either or for you. And there's a couple of that you kind of got to think about. There's a, not all either ors, but uh, this rapid fire segment is brought to you by Extreme Speed Tire Solutions. Whether it's getting a cart scaled out, prep, or trackside help, they can have you up front. So get with Extreme Speed today on Facebook, or you can also contact Curtis Polachek on Facebook. So we'll go ahead and get into this rapid fire segment. Do you like daytime racing or nighttime racing? I prefer daytime racing. Okay. Favorite race track? Oh, what's that? I think daytime racing is a lot better. I 100% agree. 100% agree. I don't, because. What's that? I'd say Liberty is my favorite racetrack. Liberty. But I like daytime racing. I'm racing. Yeah. And back to daytime racing. I don't know about y'all, but like from, from racing in the day to racing at night, kind of the track looks totally different at night. I don't know. It, not that it looks different, but it just kind of feels different. It's got all that moisture in it at nighttime, and it changes everything. So you can be good all day long, and then you, it goes nighttime, and you're just way off, and you have to change it. <laughs> Dragging the boat anchor. Let's let's keep it in the same uh, let's keep it in the same sundial uh, time that we, <laughs> yeah. that, that we were in. When we were fast. Let's keep it at about two p.m. all day. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I'm waiting for that moisture to come back up because that's when we can really shine. <laughs> same too. Yeah. There's some weekends I like the night, and then there's some weekends I just wish it'd stay sunny because I, I was good all day, and then it got nighttime, and I just got mad. So I, sure I, do. I sure do like loading the trailer up, though, at 8, eight o'clock and getting out there by 9, so <laughs> I can't really knock it too much. That is nice. So uh, next one is favorite food. Favorite food? Uh, steak. Steak. Favorite sports athlete? Max Verstappen. There you go. <laughs> you got you got Ethan all wound up right there. <laughs> Big F one guy. Not now. <laughs> uh and then bucket race to go to. Bucket list race to go to? Mm-hmm. Uh Batesville. Batesville. 
You don't want to go there. No, you don't want to go there. <laughs> it's all, all jokes. All jokes. All jokes. It's just very cold. I mean, Thanksgiving cold. thunder is cold, man. Thanksgiving thunder is cold. Hey, listen, my blood might have just thinned, thinned up when you know since moving down here because uh, we got hit with 35-degree weather on Sunday, and uh, I thought I was going to freeze. Well, that's the thing about North Carolina. and get cold as it wants, but it never snows. So we don't got to worry about snow. Shoot, old Dale and Dalton had 47 feet of snow and I, three inches of ice on the roads a couple of weeks ago in North Mississippi. Yeah, no, we we saw uh, we saw 35 degrees um, where the Buccaneers play, and uh, no, no thanks. There, were, there was frost on the grass when he woke up. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little, it was a little nippy. <laughs> had to put a sweater on. So we uh we asked every guest for, uh, two questions. And the first one being something you like in our sport. Something I like in our sport. Um, I like how you can do it on your own and still be competitive. It's not too money to. I mean, it's money plays a big role, but it's not everything in it. You can still get away being a low budget team and still being competitive. I mean, that's one of the main things I like about it. I don't have a big old team behind me doing everything. I just do it, me and my dad. Which I think is kind of gravitated away from that because I feel like people seeing these big time races, it feels like if you're not on a big team, you don't have a chance. But as long as you put the hard work in, you got a chance. It's all about, I mean, racing's 24 hours, all of your time, every second of your day put into it. So, like, I mean, I'm still in school, so I'd go to school, come home, work on good courts. That's all I did. And I, I mean, if I drove for somebody, I'd go, I'd go to school, come home, get dr- or change whatever, take a shower or whatever, and just go to their house or wherever shop and go work on go karts. And I'd leave there and get home at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning and take a shower and go to sleep and go to school the next day and do it all over again. So, I mean, if you put the hard work in, it's, it's very rewarding. Yeah. It, it definitely feels better if you put the hard work in and it pays off. Racing's a uh, racing's a, a sport of you, and, and you know people can say this for a lot of things, but for sure racing, it's whatever you put into it, you will more than likely get out of it. You don't put a lot of work in, you might not have the best results. You put a lot of hard work in, you got a way better chance of having way better results. And you're gonna have bad weekends, you're gonna have bad luck, but the more work and time you put into it, the better chances you do have of having better weekends. I think racing is a big mental toughness sport because you have to stay tough and keep working even if you have a bad weekend. It's all about how tough you are mentally and if you can keep your confidence up not let it bring you down because, I mean, that just makes it even worse. saying we like to say is getting back up on the horse. You got to get back up on the horse when you get knocked down. Yeah. So, you know, to counterpart that – you know, what's something that you'd like to see change in the sport? I mean, I'd like to see it stop being such a tire war and be so many different tire brands competing with each other and they kind of work together and work something out so it's not a different tire every week because, I mean, I don't have the ability to have 16 different brands of tire and work every single one of them for one weekend. I'd like it to kind of stay focused on one or the other and – them communicate and work something out so it's not 
so hard for people like me to race certain races. And one thing kind of Shay brought up with that is like kind of, I know having a tire roll, you back more, but um, you could, you could do an open tire around the entire country and have uh have like contingencies like hey you're you're on a maxis or you're on a reaper or you're on a vega or you're on a burris like and those companies kind of be like all right you know if you're on a maxis and you win or you finish in the top five or top three whatever they want to pay back or you're on a reaper and you're you win or just any kind of thing like that and it's like you get added that to whatever you do end up winning in a payout like yeah. almost like a contingency program of 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 running their brand I think it would be a cool the, thing. I think the way they did the Wayne pool was great. I don't, I think that was a great idea. If you were, if you were the top two finishers on Maxis, you got a certain amount of tires for a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're top two. You got a certain amount of Reapers per for the year. I think that was a great idea. I think that helped a lot of people and helped them focus on their program. Cause if you're a Reaper program, you just competed with the other Reaper guys for that. I mean, everybody wants to win it. Cause I mean, you're spending money to go win. But it also helped people who were mainly Maxes or mainly Reaper better their program because they got the opportunity to win a certain amount of tires and not have to buy them sets of tires for that year. Uh, yeah, and also I feel like it doesn't put anybody outside of their comfort zone of a tire they don't work with. You know, they have to learn it or, you know, like you said, whatever your program works with is what you can go there confidently with. Because I feel like really you could you could run all these tires against each other and still have a really great race. Um and that's shown before. Um, but it also just, yeah, like I said, keeps people in their comfort zones to be able to not have to uh, extend out and, like you said, buy more sets of tires that just rises the price. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if you're good with one tire and a racetrack does an open tire rule, you can take your one tire and you, or your one brand of tire and work it and do what you know instead of buying all these different kinds of tires and working them and trying to learn them. For one weekend or two weekends that you're going to run it and then sell it saves you know. everything else it makes it easier for you to focus on the tire you know simple a, a lot yeah it makes it a lot more simple yeah a lot a lot more simple as we like simpler <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh we'll go ahead and uh round it up on this question right here um man is there there anybody you like to thank for the the, the racing you get to do and the program you have I definitely like to thank my dad for everything he does for me. He's I wouldn't be doing this right now if it wasn't for him. He helps me more than anybody. Uh, my mom, Todd Miller, for everything he does. I mean, he helps me with go karts, motors, everything. <clears throat> he does a lot. Uh, Harold, he always there. Nitro Gears, um, Pink Magic, and Jamie and Jeremy, and all of them over there for everything they do. And I think that's about it. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I don't know what your next race is, but we, we wish you the best of luck, man. And we really appreciate you coming cut this time out and talk with us. Uh, you've been a hot request for us with old CPAC and old Jacob Butler. We've been, they've been hot on us for it. So, uh, we glad we finally got this episode cut out, man. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. It was definitely fun. Yes, sir. I'll see you here in April though, for sure. I'll see you in April. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Have a good one, man. Nice meeting you. Have nice a good one.
So what a good episode. You know, I, I really admire the fact that he's kind of doing a little more of an old-fashioned way of trying to do it and uh, figure it out with his own. He's in there. He's he's wiping the tire. He's working on the tire. He's working on the go-karts. I just, I really like that about it um, and, and shows a lot about who he is. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell he has a lot of passion for our sport, you know. And that's crazy that he started racing at three years old. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'd see that nowadays for sure. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, well, you could probably see it in the juice box class. Yeah, but not in a full-blown go-kart, you know? A phantom icon. You remember the kid kart classes? Those little old... Yeah. Peyton Was it McDonough. like the little rails? Peyton McDonough. Weed, weed eater motors? Yeah, like the little baby asphalt go-karts? Yeah. 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 I always wonder how they could get the chassis that small. <laughs> No idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because it's so yeah. like you could like. I feel like it, like nowadays looking, at, I could just pick that up with my hand and just put it on my <laughs> yeah, back, right. <laughs> like a juice box class car. It's funny, so. but yeah, it was a great episode, man. I I never ever spoke to him like I here in the interview. We've been friends on Facebook. Like he had his own little team page, mm-hmm. and I just remember always seeing them post his weekly write ups. But that that's the furthest I've ever seen of him never spoke to him so it's yeah. cool to put a face in the name and you know so but yeah next week we have uh mr brandon miller and um shane Hey-Bear. Hey-Bear. uh shane owns manny now and brandon it will is is putting helping put together tanner that go-kart race at manny uh the tanner sabine memorial. raceway yeah sabine raceway um water mile dirt car trail and uh it's march 2nd and 3rd pretty good money put up uh two 1500s for the adults to run uh and some really good money i think it's uh two 1000s for the juniors so um really excited to have them on kind of talk about their history and racing and then talk about how uh you know what's going to be happening for that race so really excited to see that but until then guys good look at tunica good look at liberty good luck at the chili bowl um And uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. Y'all be safe and have a good one. Later. Allah.